Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Did you see where NFL coaches are back starting Monday, June 1st at their facilities? And Todd Bowles had a Zoom call with the media. We'll tell you what he's expecting from his Bucks defense. European soccer leagues are coming back. Baseball still at a crossroads with its players, and they have cut scores of minor leaguers. We'll tell you about that. And we've got all your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Steve, I'll tell you, um, you know, just watching the, the sports leagues around the world and certainly in the United States start to wake up. There's a lot of news flying at us about reopenings and um, threats of reopenings, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the NFL goes, I mean, I did see where they put out a memo, Roger Goodell. They've had their owners meetings um, these past couple of days and um, virtually, I guess. And uh, NFL coaches now starting to come back on the Monday, June 1st. Remember last week they opened the facilities um, to some personnel, up to 75 people, I think 50% of your uh, non-football staff could come back. And now they're opening it up to everybody um, except for the players. That still has to be negotiated with the NFLPA. Uh, but ticket people, um, media relations, I would imagine, coaches. And that's important because these guys you know, have been apart. I mean, they haven't really been able to meet as a staff. I know they do things virtually. They've learned how to how to navigate all that. But I think in, a, in in probably about the target for maybe players coming back and having some sort of off season would probably be about the middle of June at some point, uh, maybe a week or two after after the coaches. So it looks like that they're going to try and complete an off season which has been interrupted by COVID, which will be good for teams like the Bucks and Tom Brady to get around his coaches, around his players. Um, also. If you're a, a new program like Ron Rivera, say with the Washington Redskins, or um, you know Carolina Panthers have a new coach, obviously uh, those staffs have not even been together as a staff, much less seen their players or uh, put in their offense or their defense outside of the the Zoom calls and the virtual meetings. So this is a this is a big thing for the NFL, and um, it, it doesn't just stop there. I mean, we've seen what European leagues, soccer leagues, come back. Um, that's yeah. a good sign. English Premier League is going to be back in mid-June. So is the Italian top league. Uh, Spanish mm-hmm. top league supposed to follow suit. Of course, we've seen mm-hmm. the German Bundesliga has been playing for a couple weeks now without fans in the stands. So, Right. Um, the top sports back in Europe are all getting set to get back underway now. Yeah. The only one that's at a crossroads right now is baseball still. We know some guys are working out at the Trop sort of informally. Um, it's going on around around Major League Baseball. In, in terms of the negotiations between the players' union and the league, that's not so good. I mean, basically, you know, uh, the players feel like they've given up enough. They're ready to prorate their salaries based on games played. Um, but Major League Baseball, which does not have a revenue share, uh, wants them to do more. It doesn't seem like that that's going to be a that that's going to be a starter. Um, that that might kill some things. But uh, for right now, anyway. 
uh, I'm not real optimistic with the way all of this is headed. It looks like, you know, if they do get a deal, I think, and you mentioned this before, Steve, I think they're going to have to defer, um, you know, some of the money that, that, that they'll owe the players till later. I mean, if they're not going to pay them now because of the pandemic and the lack of attendance, they're probably going to have to pay them down the road the, the, the money that, they're, that, that they might be willing to sacrifice for the good of the game um, temporarily. But I, I, I don't think that, uh, that the baseball players' union is going to go for what's on the table right now. No, it sounds like their response to the Major League Baseball proposal is not even going to acknowledge that the baseball proposed something. Um, That's right. You know, and baseball's in a trickier spot. Unlike the NBA and the NHL, where 80-85% of the regular season have been played, the players yeah. have been paid. Um, NHL has gotten all their paychecks. Now they, the players chose to defer their last paycheck mm-hmm. because of escrow and to figure out where the revenue drops and all that are. But the NBA and NHL players have basically been paid for the whole season because you actually the, – the dirty secret in, in sports is you don't get paid for the playoffs or you get you paid get very much little. Of anything. It's, yeah, yeah, it's very it's, little. Mm-hmm. It, you get paid for the regular season. You're 82 games, you're 162, you know, whatever, you're 16 games in the NFL. So, That's right. The financial issues of the NBA and NHL is a lot easier to overcome. Now, there's mm-hmm. some salary cap issues in the future based on revenue and no fans in the stands and things like that. They have to work through that. But baseball's tricky where the players have already agreed that if we play 100 games, then we get 100 out of 162 of our salary. Or if we play half the games, we get half our salary. Right. The question is, is now that there's no fans in the stands and that revenue stream's gone, are they going to give up any more of their salary? Mm-hmm. And and so far it's been pretty ugly and and you know you hate to see it negotiated in public, which yeah. unfortunately is where it's gone. But well, and I I actually think that um, in a weird way, even though you know obviously unemployment is rampant, and a lot of people without jobs and food lines and all of that, so you you know they can't be completely uh, tone deaf to that as players. Um, by the same token, I, I I do think that you know there is a little sentiment on the player's side this time. Um, simply because they're asking to go outside what what is an agreed upon and collectively bargained system mm-hmm. because of a rare circumstance, and yet, you know, and, and it's it's really the, the 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 players at the top of the food chain, the Mike Trout's and guys like this that are going to take an enormous hit, um, and that's you know that's that's why you see Scott Boris involved because he has all those players, um, and, and so you know, but but overall they're asking they're asking players you know, to do something. They don't have a revenue-sharing system, and they're basically mm-hmm. saying, look, we're not going to have fans. We're going to have lower revenues. You guys have to do more than just prorate your salaries, and I can understand, and I think I think generally a lot of baseball fans understand now. You know, are you going to kill the game? Are you really not? I mean, this is what it comes down to, right? Can Can billionaires not work out a deal with millionaires at a time like this when society could use the release of sports and is a big business and um, you have an opportunity to play, and you're deciding not to in both instances. That that's not going to help the sport, and so they, it's it's you know incumbent on both sides, really, to come up with a solution to this. I just don't see one that's being sort of forced down the players' throats right now. Um, well, we'll see the, if that the changes. hard part is is the players don't trust the owners. No, so the owners are saying we're losing this much money without fans in the show. Us your we play books. games, but yeah, unlike the other sports where there's open revenue sharing and you know what mm-hmm. what the revenues are being brought in and, and, and that's right. you know how much you're paying players and they don't have that in baseball. So the owners are going trust us. We're losing this much money, and the players are mm-hmm. going we don't trust you. Right. 
you know, but although some of the reporting, it's not inaccurate, but when you say Mike Trout's going to miss 77% of his salary this year, well, sort of, but half of it, you're not playing. I mean, you're not playing a full season. Right. You know, so some of it. Take an extra 25%. Right. But baseball did put a tiered system out where the less money you make, the less you give back on top of whatever the prorated part is. And then, so the players making the most money give the most money back. And it's trying to protect those at the minimum don't need to give up 25% more or whatever the owner's, you know, proposal and they think it should be. Um, Which is the majority of of players in in Major League Baseball. But as with any negotiations, they usually start off ugly. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's in both sides' interest to play this year, no doubt. So you hope that when they get in the room and cooler heads will prevail overall. Um, but initially, you know, the, the proposals are. But that happens a lot in negotiations. I mean, that's kind of what negotiations are: is you're not putting your best offer on the table to start with. Either side isn't. And the reason it, it might, you might want to consider some sort of a prorated deal is that I mean, we've already started to see. Um, you know, before this podcast, there was news that the state of Texas is going to allow already up to 25% of capacity for sports in their stadiums. In outdoor stadiums. An outdoor, yes. an outdoor um, where the spread is less likely and fresh air and, and that sort of thing, still with the ability to separate, obviously, with only 25% capacity. But in that instance, you're talking about, okay, then the Houston Astros, then the Texas Rangers, right? So those teams are going to have some revenue from fans coming in the stadium. Mm-hmm. So how do you – you know, how do you apply that as more states opened up? What if they did that in, in the state of Florida or um, in Georgia and, and this sort of thing? So, you know, it's, it's going to have to they're going to have to look at, at everything and, and sort of come to a compromise agreement of some kind that can, can they adjust if the players want to do that at all. I mean, the players might just say, look, the fans in the, in, in the stands have never been our problem. You pay us to perform. Um, we're not responsible if anybody comes mm-hmm. to the games. If I play for the Rays and they draw flies, should I then give back some money, but then the Yankee players can keep theirs because they draw $3 million. It just doesn't work that way. You couldn't, you couldn't really structure anything without a revenue share that, that would accommodate players that way. So, well, and for you instance, know, you know, players sign leases at their apartments or exactly. condos or whatever else, and it's not, well, I'm, the, the baseball's not playing, so you're going to cut my rent, right? I don't have any bills. Yeah, right. exactly. You know. And, you know, maintain two residences and things like that. So it's really tricky. Um, but at, at any rate, I, again, overall, I think the news is, is looking better. Uh, and, again, the NFL has the longest runway, so mm-hmm. they're able to sit back and kind of gauge this a little little more of a slow play. I did see where the Bucks started promoting their season opener against Carolina, which I thought was curious. They didn't say tickets are available, but they just said, hey, remember the season opener against Carolina. Well, part of the so, uh, NFL opening stuff, they said the ticket offices could start opening up now. That's correct. That's part of the memo yeah. that so came you, out today. So with the coaches coming back and that too. Do. So yeah. there's probably a good those, reason they're promoting the home opener. Will those phones be ringing or are they going to, are they going to defer and wait and wait to see what happens? Because, um, you know, I, I mean, again, I, I think they have every expectation of selling tickets and playing with fans. They just have to figure out what they do in the case of the bucks. If you can only have 50%, if you can have 25%, are you taking people that pay the most money in the sky suites and the club seats? Uh, are you taking the lower bowl? Can anybody in a 300 level go? Um, you know, what about single game? What if I can only afford one game? Can, can I buy one of those tickets? So they got a lot to work out on that end. But, you know, again, we're, we're, 
we're so far away from the NFL. There'll be a lot of answers to this, I think, by then. And, and the pandemic is going to ebb and flow as well. I'm not really sure what will happen in the fall, much less now. So um, overall, good news. Still a long way from uh, from watching sports on a consistent basis on television. When that happens, I think we'll all be better off for it. But we do have your mailbag questions and um, some good ones today. Let's get right to it. All right. Well, UK Bucks ask. Rick, you've been close to many Bucks teams over the last 10 years, or actually a lot longer mm-hmm. than that. But yeah. what is your feeling about this team? Well, um, you know, every year is different. And I, I, try to, I try to caution myself and others to look at any facet of, you know, say last year. And, and you know, for example, like the deep, well, the defense was really good the second half of the season. Look, every year is different, right? I mean, you can look at a Shaq Barrett coming onto the scene and having 19 and a half sacks. Nobody anticipated that. What a big boon that was for their defense. And now this year, he's not going to sneak up. Not that he did after about nine games or five games last year, but it's just going to be different. And Jason Pierre-Paul had eight and a half sacks, but you know what? He missed six weeks with the neck injury, which you say, well, that was tough for him to come back from that. Yeah, it was. However, for an older player to only have to play 10 games versus 16, the wear and tear is not as great. And even at the end of the year, there were times when Jason Pierre-Paul was not practicing because of his injuries. So I just would say that, you know, look, when you have a Tom Brady, it cha- it's, it's different, man. It's, I don't think people understand because we've, you know, we've been in Tampa Bay and the, as an organization, they've never had um, one of those iconic type players like a Peyton Manning, like a Tom Brady, um, to some extent like a Ben Roethlisberger or now Patrick Mahomes. When you have one of those guys, you're just you're just a contender as long as they can play at the same or you know same level. And even when, for that matter, when Peyton Manning's skills have had truly diminished from a physical standpoint with a fused vertebrae in his neck and all that, and he couldn't grip the ball as well, and his arm strength wasn't what it was, he still found ways to win, and he made everybody around him better. And for that reason, um, I know what they have on offense. I mean, I've seen Chris Godwin, and I've seen you know, Mike Evans. And, and I think there's more for a guy like OJ Howard. And I think Brake will be healthier in his second year off hip surgery than he was a year ago. Uh, I think Ronald Jones is going to take a big step. Uh, um, I, you know, I like what they did in the draft with guys like Keyshawn Vaughn. So they have a ton of talent in, in around a guy who's iconic and, and, and what the experts tell me hasn't lost much at all off his physical skills or his fastball in particular still makes quick decisions. So I think this will be potentially, and again, there's that word, one of their better teams, and it certainly should be one that that is in the playoffs. I mean, look, that drought should be over. There's 14 teams going in the playoffs this year. That should not be a concern. If they play enough games, they should win enough games. Whether they win the division, you just, just don't know. And again, you know, we're all anticipating that Tom Brady at age 43 can make it through a 16-game season. Fact is, very few quarterbacks have ever even attempted this. I mean, we're in rare air. Now, he doesn't miss games, except for the one year they had the torn ACL, and he keeps himself in unbelievable shape. But that all remains to be seen. But I really think this will be certainly one of the most memorable years with the five national TV games, What one of the years that have the most expectations, I think, since 2003 after they won the Super Bowl. There's never been expectations like this. And I think it's justified. I think, I think Bruce Arians is... That kind of coach that can deliver, that can that can deliver a team deep into the playoffs. I know Brady can, and so I I would be pretty 
you know, pretty bullish on the Bucks, and that's unusual from my vantage point because I've covered, you know, this franchise for so long and they have such a, a poor record and, you know, haven't made the postseason and haven't won a playoff game since the Super Bowl. I mean, that was 2002. So to sit here and go, oh, yeah, no, they're a contender. Don't write it down. It, it, it feels a little, a little forced, but then again, what did they go through? Why, are they, why did they go through all this with Tom Brady? You know, and Tom Brady, we saw even on that Sunday golf tournament, which he can't play golf to any level, of a Tiger Woods, obviously, and was struggling, his competitive nature is never going to wane. That part, he's going to fight tooth and nail with everything he has because this is so important to him, especially after having left New England, to prove that you know his legacy is already cemented. But it can be even greater if he can do it outside of the Patriots and outside of Bill Belichick. So I think if I were a Bucks fan, I'd be jacked up to no end they got to find a way to win the NFC South to get into into these playoffs and to get a decent seed. Um, But I don't know. I don't know that I've covered many Bucs teams that had more talent than this. The defense certainly did with Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks and Ronnie Barber and Simeon Rice when they were in their prime. I mean, they had pro bowlers everywhere. But you know what? You got two pro bowl wide, wide receivers. You got Rob Gronkowski, who's definitely a pro bowl tight end. You've got a perennial pro bowl quarterback. That's a pretty good place to start before other guys start stepping up. So, yeah, you should feel – I feel from, from the outside looking in, I would be very confident as a Bucks fan that this team is going to do some magical things for them this year. All right, Buck North asks, The Bucks seem interested in Devontae Freeman as a run, veteran running back. Teams will try to take away the Bucks' passing game, which should open up the running game. With so many talented running backs available, do you think it was a mistake to wait until the third round to get one? Well, I mean, you can certainly debate that. I think you'll have to see how Anton Winfield plays because that's the spot that they could have taken, you know, J.K. Dobbins and some of those guys that were still on the board, Cam Akers. Um, and I think Winfield's going to be a special player. So we'll have to see that, that that will be the comparison for the next few years. With respect to Devontae Freeman, I've seen that on the Internet, and it's patently false. Um, they have not – from my information – they haven't had the first discussion with Devontae Freeman's agent. And, in fact, um, I'm not sure the people I talk to even know who his agent is off the top of their heads. Uh, Freeman is one of those guys that somehow fell through the cracks. There's not a ton of money out there right now um, on salary cap for anybody, quite frankly, at this time of year, and in particular for running backs. you know. And, and I just think that he's going to have to wait for an injury perhaps He's talked about maybe even retiring him. Mean, I don't know where his head's at. I still think he'd be a productive running back. But but the Bucks, I can tell you this. Uh, I was talking to somebody uh, today, as a matter of fact, before this podcast. And um, in addition, we know how high they are on Keyshawn Vaughn, the running back from Vanderbilt that they got as a rookie in the third round. And, and uh, you know, there were other teams, and this happens after drafts, where other teams call and say, oh, man, you got a good one. That was my guy. You know, you stole him in the third round. Uh you know, he's, he's just a 10 on the character scale. He's, gonna be, he's a great worker. He's going to be a great player. Okay, that all sounds good. But the interesting thing that I learned was that uh, Ronald Jones has looked really good. You know those passing camps that we've talked about? And then I was able to see one of those, and he wasn't there, at least so far as I could detect that day. Apparently Tom Brady, no less than Tom Brady, really likes Ronald Jones. <laughs> so that means that Ronald Jones is catching the football. And – um, picking some things up. So, you know, Brady's played with a lot of running backs, and like I said, the last five years he's completed 
100 passes a year on average to those guys at the running back position, um, you know, in total. So I think that they're set at running back for now. And don't forget this. They've got some guys they want to extend. So before you go spending money at a position where you feel like you're pretty set with, you know, with Ronald Jones, with um, with Vaughn, with Dari Agumboale, you might want to, like, hold some money back for, and I'll just throw it out there, I mean, I really believe Levante David's going to get one more contract. I know Chris Godwin is. I know they want to lock him up. So, you know, what about Shaq Barrett? He's sitting here on a franchise player deal. Don't they want him long term? Those those are going to be the priorities with whatever monies they're able to come up with, not Devontae Freeman. All right, Tuna asks, who do we have at outside linebacker on this roster? Well, remember now it's a 3-4. I think, you know, when people ask that question, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of wondering if they're thinking of the old days when it was a 4-3 a because you have two really great inside linebackers now with Devin White and Levante David, and I don't think there's a better – tandem in this league because uh, I think Devin White's going to be exceptional at the start of next season. He He's learned so much. We saw him win player rookie of the month on defense the last two months of the season as he got healthy. Uh, I think, um, you know, second year in the system, he should take an enormous jump, should be a real factor from, from the get-go. But the outside linebackers on this defense are really um, edge rushers. You know, you're talking about Shaq Barrett. And, well, all he did was lead the NFL in sacks with 19 and a half. You're talking about JPP, who is, you know, um, might be up there in age at age 31, but still eight and a half sacks in 10 games. You'll take that ratio any day of the week. They also have some a young guy in Anthony Nelson. We didn't get to see much last year. I think he was a fourth-round pick out of Iowa. Got hurt quite a bit early on. Um, some hamstring issues, uh, you know. And so, you know, they've, they've got – they don't have a ton of depth, to be honest with you, on the edge. They really like what's on the inside. Um, but, again, outside linebackers on this defense are really edge rushers. They're really more like 4-3 down linemen. So, you know, you can get by because Todd Bowles does a lot of things with his safeties. He plays a lot of defensive backs and, and uses them as linebackers. I think you'll see Antoine Winfield come down in the box. I think you'll see a lot of different combinations. And so, you know, from that standpoint um, – I would just say that they're going to have to they're going to have to spend some time over the next couple of years trying to find some more of those guys because right now they're relying on veterans and and you know Shaq Barrett's still only twenty what twenty seven twenty eight years old so mm-hmm. twenty seven years old so he's got some time too but it's it's not it's a strength of a team now but it's also some, an area where guys like Anthony Nelson and others need to step up and give them some depth. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. 
All right, Kieran asks, with the Bucks looking to hold on to three higher-profile tight ends, do you think it's a sign that Tom Brady wants to run more 12 personnel this fall? It could help the running game and keep defenses more off balance. Well, I, I think they like what they have at that tight end room. I think it's a, a very competitive uh, environment now. Obviously, Brady wanted one player. He wanted Rob Gronkowski, and he made he made no bones about that. He was lobbying for him probably even before he signed on the dotted line, and he obviously knew that, that Gronk was willing and ready to come out. They had to swing a deal with New England, which they did. And, you know, Gronk has one more year on that contract at $10 million. So that's his comfort zone. That's the only guy he knows on offense is, is Gronkowski. But, I mean, he's thrown 79 touchdown passes, almost 80 touchdown passes to that guy throughout his career. And he's going to be dynamic for them, I think. And so you combine that, you know, they, they, there's a lot of talk about O.J. Howard. There's a lot of talk about, you know, the possibility of trading him. They couldn't get the value they thought. They actually went ahead and picked up his fifth-year option, which is guaranteed only against injury. But it's a good sign that they – uh, like O.J. Howard, they think Gronkowski will really help him. And then Cam Brate is coming you know, off uh, hip surgery. And last year I think he was really limited by that. But the second year off of that surgery, I think he'll be much, much better. Um, so, yeah, you know, one of the most successful passing seasons that Brady had, and we've talked about this, was when Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, the late Aaron Hernandez, um, you know, uh, tore it up for teams and that 12 personnel with two tight ends and one running back um, can be a a very difficult defense or very difficult to defend because you still have Chris Godwin. You still have Mike Evans. You can't double all the outside receivers. You can't bracket all the tight ends. You're going to get some matchups, whether it's tight end on a linebacker, tight end on a defensive back, single coverage for one of the outside receivers. And then, oh yeah, you got the running back slipping out of the backfield. So, to me, it's a great way to go, but I, I do think this. I don't think you're going to take Mike Evans off the field. I think he's still going to be your number one target. I think Chris Godwin's going to be on the field. So how much you go two tight ends, two wide receivers, one running back, or do you put that third wide receiver on? You know, to me, their best, their third best receiver is Gronkowski, you know, at this point. I mean, or, or second maybe. I mean, you go Evans, you go Gronkowski, and you go Godwin. And then after that, you can mix and match any way you want to. So um, I think you will see a lot of two tight end, but they'll they'll mix it up. But it's certainly something that they're going to look hard at. And I think that Brady has proven he's very comfortable throwing the ball inside, especially uh, to those tight ends. All right, Shaquille Barrett and Tom Brady fan asked, is there any chance the Bucks could get in on the Jadavian Clowney market if he didn't have a market and needed a prove-it deal? Maybe Clay Matthews or Marcus Golden would be more realistic. You know, I, I think Clowney is just going to cost too much money. And, again, what, what this comes down to is, you know, you're sitting here with Shaq Barrett as a franchise player, which is fine. He could play under the franchise tag this year, and in some ways maybe you want to see, you know, if he can do it again, right? I don't think he's going to have 19 and a half, but if he gets you 12, gets you double digits, you feel good about it, you want to go ahead and extend him at some point. Um, but that's a big-ticket item, you know. I mean, some of these, some of these outside rushers – are making $21, 22000000 million. And that's not, you know, you know it's, a, it's an allocation system. So, you know, that limits what you can do at other places, like wide receiver with Chris Godwin, like, um, you know, Levante David and, and, and some of the younger guys, O.J. Howard uh, coming up, you know, next year will cost $6 million on his fifth-year option. So, you know, you have to be careful 
they are in a go for broke mode. Um, Matthews would make a little more sense to me, um, only because I don't think he's going to command as much salary. Although I don't know, I don't know where any of that stands. The Bucks could definitely use some help, um, you know, from a from an outside rush standpoint, which is what Clowney would do. Again, though, who comes off the field? I mean, if you've got Shaq Barrett and JPP, you could rotate those guys. But I, I would think Clowney's going to be a guy that is going to get paid and you're going to want to keep on the field for the, the, the preponderance of snaps. So I just don't see it happening. I think it's a little little pie in the sky, you know, a little like thinking like we, we had the question about uh, Devontae Freeman a minute ago. Um, you know, I, I saw where Clowney got the most lucrative offer from the Cleveland Browns, right, and and didn't sign there. So the money is there. For him, I don't think it's in Tampa Bay. So, my guess is we won't see Clowney here, and, and um, he may end up just staying in Seattle. We'll see. All right, Casey asked: Is there any word on the if the NFL is at least looking into adopting the kickoff format for the XFL? Well, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't followed it real closely today, but I think they decided to table um, a lot of their kicking. I know the onside kick uh, yeah. situation. Yeah, I don't think they really had tabled. a proposal for the XFL kickoff rule. For the right. onside kick, they tabled it and are not going to be doing the fourth and fifteen from the twenty-five yard line. Right. They just they felt like here was the discussion on that. It's like, wait, so let me get this straight. So we're a better football team, and we get up on say, I don't know, the Bucks or um, the Green Bay Packers, and they've got these iconic quarterbacks that can go down the field ninety yards in forty seconds, and we're going to give them fourth and 15 <laughs> instead of instead of making them recover an onside kick like that doesn't that doesn't seem like enough of an advantage for us to play you know 58 minutes and have a lead and then you're really not going to reward us for that you're basically going to give the ball back to one of these guys that can pick up a first down and come down and beat us um so that's how that went yeah uh, i think it stems liked, though from look there's been 104 games now in a mm-hmm. row where teams have tried an onside kick being behind, and the teams are 0 and 104 in those games. Yeah. I mean, and you got it. Nobody's yeah. coming from behind with onside kicks at this point. And so, right. a league that's driven by parity and wants that, mm-hmm. I can see where the league wants that, but individual coaches, I could see absolutely not. Yeah. They're, they're never, they're not going to go for it because, again, you know, you can look at this two ways. You can say, well, you know, what a great opportunity if our team can have one more chance with the football. Or you can say, yeah, but if I'm on the other side of that coin, how am I going to feel late in the game when I, you know, when we've got exactly what we want, which is a lead, and they have to recover an onside kick to win or to even have a chance to win? Why would I, why would I, how, how am I going to feel when I, when, I, when I give them the ball back at fourth and 15? Strategically, it changes the game a little too much. I can see why they decided to table this. I liked as far as the NFL kick or the um, XFL kickoff rule. I loved. It. I actually thought that was great. I think it, it eliminated the concussions. They were still only five or ten yards apart from each other, but they moved the ball so far. You know, they they moved the 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 tackler so far down the field from where the kick was um, that it almost it almost prevented the kicker from kicking it out of the end zone. In fact, the rule was he had to kick it short of the end zone. And so it brought the return game back into football, which I loved. I, th- I think, you know, it's hard for me to go back and think about a guy like Devin Hester, you know, and, and all the excitement that he provided throughout his career and say, yeah, you'll never see that again, you know. I, I mean, it, it was a football play. It was eliminated for injuries because they were so, seeing so many of those 
obviously the further and the longer those guys ran and slammed into each other at first they did away with the wedge um you know they they changed where the kickoff was all those things but i thought what the xfl did in eliminating the distance those guys could run and having the kicker set still way back behind them i thought it worked um i don't know why it wasn't something anybody proposed but i'd like to see it because it would bring kickoffs back into the nfl yeah, I like Andy Reid's comments on the fourth and fifteen, and he, you know, he's like, you know, I don't know if it's good or whatever, but fourth and fifteen, I got a guy that can do that. <laughs> he does. That's exactly <laughs> right, and that's how it went. Like, hey, can we ask the uh, the coaches with guys like him to step out of the room while we vote on this? I mean, of course they're going to vote for it. If you got one of those quarterbacks and Tom Brady's, I mean, it's a great rule, you know. But it, but if you don't, like a year ago, if you've got Jameis Winston and you've got a, a you know, a three-point lead or a six-point lead, you know, with seconds to play, you sure as heck don't want to turn the ball back over to him. He did that enough on his own. So, yeah, it's it just it's the have and have-nots. All right, Ren asks, with the change to the fifth-year option rules under the new collective bargaining agreement, making a Pro Bowl or All-Pro is a difference in the millions of dollars. Must the NFL revamp the selection process to make it a fair competition instead of the current popularity contest? Are the days of the fan vote over? I don't know if they're over. Um, it is a popularity contest. There's some things they need to do, you know, structurally that I've never understood. For example, you know, in these, and Levante has been hurt by this as much as any player in NFL history, and that is that he was considered an outside linebacker because they ran a 4-3, um, but guys like, say, now that the Bucks are a 3-4, Shaq Barrett would be up against Levante David, and Shaq Barrett would have 19 and a half sacks, the most in the NFL, and he would get the nod. So they, I think they do have to look at how they classify players because not every outside linebacker is an outside linebacker is an outside linebacker. Um, as far as, like, I'm not – I'll be honest with you, I haven't read through all of the CBA uh, very closely, it, it, you know, uh, if it's if it's something that's going to figure in terms of salary or fifth year options and things like that, yeah, you should probably you should probably try to get an accurate um, or a more accurate uh, gauge of of a player than the Pro Bowl voting um, because but but it is a third of fans. It's not it's not all fans. So I mean, a third is the fans, a third are the players, and a third are the coaches. The weird thing is is that you know sometimes these teams don't see other teams and. You know, uh, it's you know you, you usually have your position groups like you'll have your defensive backs vote on wide receivers. You'll have your defensive linemen vote on the other offensive linemen. Like you try to you try to match them up that way. Uh, All pro, I think, is is a little more um, of a better gauge only because there's only two per position. You know, it's not like everybody makes the Pro Bowl and then when you don't make the Pro Bowl and a guy can't play, um, then you you name somebody else to the Pro Bowl like. There's way more Pro Bowl players than there are Pro Bowl roster spots, and so um, you know that 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 doesn't really fly. So I I don't know exactly how they're gonna what the linkage is, but I, it wouldn't be for me. It wouldn't be Pro Bowl, and if it is, then they're gonna have to really uh, you know have a better gauge of of who belongs at what position because I, I just don't think it works. I think it is. I think a lot of it is reputation, and that's fine from a player from a fan standpoint. You know, but those coaches and those players have to do a better job too, of of making sure that it's not that popularity contest that they're voting the best players that they face. All right, Buck North asked a second question. He said, "Why is the NHL disrupting two seasons by trying to cram a playoff tournament in a window where most people will be outdoors? 
It was already weird watching hockey in June, but August? Well, Steve, you can speak to this, and you have. I, I, I think that it's what you say, and that is because the, the object is going to be to get as many people, to have a full season with people in the, in the arenas. Um, that's not guaranteed for this round of the playoffs, but by pushing it back next year, maybe past the point of when there's a, a vaccine, that, that's the goal, right? I mean, they, they want to see hockey in front of their home fans. It sure seems like next season will not begin till December or maybe even starts with the Winter Classic on New Year's Day sure. uh, outdoors somewhere. That the goal And the NBA is going to do the same thing. They're probably not going to start till Christmas next year. And the goal is to push, push it back as long as possible to get the most people in the stands. Because hockey particularly, but the NBA as well, the, the, the attendance and the gate is so important to them financially. So mm-hmm. you need the playoffs now. And you need it for the revenue and the television revenue and that. You're not going to have fans in the stands, but you still need that revenue. Plus, NBC has a huge hole in their scheduling because they were supposed to have the Olympics in, what, August. And so that's gone. So they have a lot of programming they need to fill now and lots of channels, which thus you're getting – you're going to have – when the NHL playoffs start back, you're going to have three games a day in each site. So you're going to basically have six games every day at the start of hockey. You're going to start seeing games at noon on a Tuesday for hockey. And it's it's about crowning a champion, it's about the revenues that come with it. But it's also they're not in a hurry because next season they know they're going to start later. They're going to get rid of the the All-Star game and the bye weeks and and the playoffs next year may go later too. It may go to July or August as well. Yeah. But it's about it's it's really it's it's about revenue, but it's also trying to get people in the stands. And Mm -hmm. you didn't have to rush or cancel the playoffs because you weren't going to start the season in October because you didn't think there was any way you're going to have fans in the stand. I mean, we talked about Texas is opening up, but that's for outdoor places. Right. Maybe they go to 50% at some point, but when are you going to open up indoor places? And hockey is going to be played indoors. Basketball is played indoors. It's going to probably take longer for some of those. And in some of those, there's certain markets where they're still not going to let that happen for a while. Yeah. New York, California. I mean, while they said that the teams can play without fans – I don't see California letting fans in for a long time, particularly an indoor building. Uh, New York may be the same way, and there's other places too. So um, it's about crowning a champion, but it, and it's about revenue, of course, which all these sports are, and, and the playoffs are the most important part of that revenue window. But next season you're not going to start on time anyway. So you're not really disrupting two seasons because next season was already going to be disrupted because you want to have the best chance to have fans in the stands. Yeah, it serves two purposes, and you just laid them out there pretty well. I've also always thought this, too, about the NBA. And look, this Tampa Bay is not an NBA city. Um, it is an, It has been hockey town for a while because it's had such a good franchise and such a good run. But when you get to October, um, you're around, you know, it's the baseball playoffs. Baseball's mm-hmm. wrapping up. Football is, is into its second month. It's in mm-hmm. full swing. College football is really going. I've always thought the NBA, and to some extent hockey, gets lost. You know, because there's so much going on competitively at that time, including especially, you know, the, the baseball playoffs that, you know, I don't really pay attention to the NBA anyway until Christmas Day. That seems to be the unofficial start for me. If you remember a couple is well, five or six years ago now, the NBA had a lockout for a while and then they started with a shortened season and they started Christmas Day. And the NBA owns Christmas Day at this point, but the ratings were huge because it was the first NBA games of the year absolutely dominated the ratings. I mean, it was, it was tremendous. And my buddy and I, who college buddy of mine that we talk all the time said from that point forward, the NBA should start on Christmas day and end their playoffs in August. 
it makes too much sense to get out of the NFL's window. Because hockey falls in the same mode. I mean, a lot of October, November, December, there's a lot of markets where hockey's not focused on until January. NBA's the same way, based on what NFL teams in your market, particularly if they're really good. And we know the NFL is the dominant dominant league here in, in America. Um, you know, so the NBA, the NHL becomes a little harder because of the ice situation. Because you're talking a lot more heat and all these arenas and that. So it's a little harder for them to shift their schedule. I mean, it's possible there's some more expense in that. Um, you know, the Lightning have played the Stanley Cup in June here. They played the Stanley Cup in Vegas in June, uh, what, two years ago. Um, it's possible to do it. it it's just a, a little hard. But the NBA, to me, it makes perfect sense to start Christmas Day, open Absolutely. up camps in December, start Christmas Day, and, yep. and your season ends right about the time the NFL starting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I don't think this is going to help the NH, help, hurt the NHL at all. Um, I hope they have a, a run for the Stanley Cup. It's going to be, you know, there should not be any asterisks. They played pretty much a full season. Um, what's going to be unfortunate <laughs> is we can't have nice things, Steve, is that, you know, you're looking at a Stanley Cup champion who's not going to play a single game in their home arena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for that matter, I don't know they can have a parade when they're done. Well, what about know. passing the cup around? Well, that, Yeah, you can't drink out of it for sure. Well, I mean, but I mean, you know, they're all kissing it and then handing it to yeah, the next they guy as they it. skate yeah, around I mean, the everything arena. Everything like that. It's just so weird, you know what I mean? Like, and how do you bring it? Hey, uh, lightning arriving, bringing the cup. Uh, you don't want all you guys running out there right away. You know, like, but, how are you going to do this? But if you're but, a player, you'll still take it over not winning the cup. Heck, yeah. Your name's on that thing, man. You don't think Steven Stamkos wouldn't engrave it if he could earn it right oh, now? Oh, yes. Of course he would. Absolutely. Of course he would. Speaking Changes of that, around. did you see Alex Kalorn's new video that the Tampa Bay Lightning put out on Thursday? I did, and it was well done. I mean, Kalorn has been the guy that has benefited the most. <laughs> From, you know, he's he's created a, a a whole new career for himself, quite frankly, in in a very popular. Now he's now he's an influencer. Yes. <laughs> now he's yeah. getting free jet skis. Made his directorial basically. debut on this video. He did, and it's really well done. And it's a takeoff, apparently, of the uh, the second uh, Mighty Ducks. Yeah, D two um, sequel D two. Yeah. yeah the, so the opening scene of it where they get the band back right. together, so to speak. Yeah, and under it's under the boys are back in town, and then they end up in formation the way the ducks would fly uh, on their jet skis instead it's really well done mm-hmm. really well produced now, if you haven't seen it uh check out the lightning's twitter feed uh mm-hmm. youtube etc it's on tampabay.com Dinah Neros wrote there a column go. about it talking about the similarities with the the d2 scene and uh yeah really yeah. well done video so and it, at the end it says bolts are back and then asterisks in small groups yeah, in small groups, I think yeah, it's the and it's big players too. Now we mm-hmm. were talking. The first guy he picks up is Steven Stamkos. Yeah, it's what so Stamkos, Sergachev, Vasilevsky, mm-hmm. uh, Chernak, Sorelli. Uh, I think I'm missing one in there. Uh, Coburn. Yeah, there was Coburn. Yeah, Coburn's like chopping six of wood. Them, I think. <laughs> yeah, got a lumberjack. He looks kind perfect. of like one. <laughs> He's perfect. Yeah, it's really well done. All right, less asked. Rick, athletes are fond of saying they would play for free because I love the game. Seeing what uh, Blake Snell, Bryce Harper, and the Major League Baseball Players Union are saying, is that type of thinking becoming a thing of the past? I can't imagine Bob Gibson saying what Blake Snell did. You know, if Bob Gibson played today, I can imagine him doing exactly what Blake Snell did. I mean, I I think that, that all these guys love baseball enough to where they would play for free, and there's no doubt about that. But when you become a professional um, there's a lot that goes with that, right? And 
part of it is you're part of a union. You know, you're part of a group of players that um, are going to fight for future players, for current players, for every player. And, and I think you feel that responsibility. And so, you know, they love the game, but they want the game to be fair. You know, they, they want to be paid fairly. They want other players to, to benefit from its, its uh, popularity and, and, and finances, obviously. Um, so there's a difference between, I think, playing the game for free and, and playing the game. Um, first of all, no one's going to play for free because they're professionals, but, but, but being unfairly compensated. And, and that can take any kind of form, right? That can be personal. Um, that can be collective, as it is, I think, in the case of what Snell and those guys are saying with respect to um, this plan that Major League Baseball submitted for them to not only take a prorated salary, but also another hit on top of it because of uh, the potential of not playing in front of fans. So I get it. Um, and, and the one time I interviewed, if you can believe it, I interviewed Bob Gibson when I was really young. And he was, a, I think he was a pitching coach at that time for the Mets, I want to say. And let me just say, even to talk to Bob Gibson, there was no more intimidating guy in the world. <laughs> I was just, I mean, I thought it was going to be a fluff piece, you know, hey, you're back in St. Pete as the Mets manager. He goes, I hate St. Pete. What are you talking about? Well, what? <laughs> he says, yeah, no, I can't stand this place. I go, excuse me? Didn't you pitch here with the St. Louis Cardinals? I used to watch you when I was a little kid right down there at Alling Field. I mean, you know, the Cardinals train here for years. He goes, yeah, I pitched here. And uh, it was like 1960-whatever he goes, and uh, I couldn't even stay in the same hotel with my teammates because I was black. I went, oh, maybe I should go study some and come back and talk to you. So, yeah, he was, he was an intimidating guy. But I, I don't know. I think, you know, remember his teammate, Kurt Flood, was the one that started all this free mm-hmm. agency that, that they enjoy today. Yep. And, and people don't remember that name. But um, he's a good player in his own right. So I, I would, I mean, not to beat up, you know, the, the questioner is a good question. It's a fair question, but um, you know, every time they, you know, it's the old North Dallas 40 line. Every time I say it's a game, you say it's a business. Every time I say it's a business, you say it's a game. <laughs> well, just remember so, what Patrick Ewing said. Sure. NBA players make a lot of money, but we spend a lot too. <laughs> we do. I get a lot of vacation. You know why? Cause I take, I take a lot of vacation cause I get a lot of vacation. That's why. So yeah, that's the way that goes. You're, 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 uh, you know, your perspective changes pretty quickly when you get when you get paid. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. All right, that's our questions for the week. But one other news story. Yeah. Say goodbye to the bad boy mowers Gasparilla Bowl. Ah. Uh, were they one and done, so to speak? Uh, the the bowl continues, but the sponsorship is over for bad boy mowers. I, it's been yeah, at least I a couple thought... years because they. Yeah. They sponsored one year in the Tropicana Field, which was funny because they don't mow the grass in Tropicana. Well, that's Field. what that, I had never thought that was a good fit, a good yeah, fit for but, that reason. But it's now like, it's played in in, in at Tro- at Ray J- or Raymond James Stadium now. So, yeah. So it was a well, couple years they were the, the name of it, but yeah. Well, they've had they've had their share of names for sure. Um, that game is owned by ESPN, I think now, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, or, it has been for several. Years. It's been for a while. They have their rights. Yeah. So they'll they'll have no trouble. ESPN owns a lot of bowl games. People don't realize that, but they own quite a few of them. So it's all content, baby. It's content (laughs) and programming for December time. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I mean that's why it only takes six games to be eligible. They need content. So um, yeah, say say uh, happy trails to. uh, But it's had some unusual names in the past too. It was also known as the Bitcoin St. Petersburg Bowl, the Magic Jack Bowl. 
the uh, just the St. Petersburg Bowl, the St. Petersburg Bowl presented by Beef O'Brady's. So mm-hmm. Magic uh, Jack, yeah. Bitcoin, yeah. Still be called yeah. the Gasparilla Bowl, but uh, sponsor names to be determined. Let's hope they play it. Let's hope we have college football in any form, uh, no matter what they call it. I'm all about it. I know they'll play the Outback Bowl somewhere, somehow, um, if there's college football for sure. Jim McVay will work that out. It'll be the greatest matchup you've ever seen. That's guaranteed. Um, so anyway, well, those Don't are our questions <laughs> every year. It's amazing. Um, I like Jimmy. Jimmy's good people. Mm-hmm. So uh, good questions. We got uh, obviously a, an important weekend coming up. There'll be a lots more discussion about how all these teams are slowly opening up on Monday again. Uh, the NFL coaches are uh, going to be allowed to come back into the building. And then I would think not long after that players. So that's something to look forward to. So, hey, man. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the week. Hope you have a safe weekend. We'll be back here on Monday. We're here every Monday through Friday. And um, it's our pleasure to bring you uh, the best of we can of sports content on Sports Day Tampa Bay. For Steve Ersnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course. And I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.